TII item 227, June 11th, 2012. WWDC 2012. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Hover. Please visit tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to get 10% off your domain name registrations. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Eric for sending in the music you hear in the background. Eric wrote, Hi, Rob. This is a tune I created using GarageBand on the iPhone 3GS. Longtime listener. Regards, Eric. Well, thanks, Eric, for the music. And folks, I'll try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Tony for sending in the artwork for today's show. Tony wrote, Hi Rob, I made this image with a combo of Fractal Plus, Blender, and text on photo apps on the iPhone 4. Regards, Tony. Well, Tony, thanks again for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Tony's artwork in the TII app in the extras for episode 227, or if you subscribe via iTunes as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section, and I'll try to get it up in Google Plus and Facebook as well. If you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote with regards to the iPhone 4S. Quote, Apple just handed both Android and Windows Phone a beautiful gift, one that will keep giving for up to a year before the company is ready to ship an iPhone 5. Unquote. Paul Therott, Supersite for Windows, 5th of October, 2011. Yeah, I know, including a Paul Therott quote in this segment is like shooting fish in a barrel. He just says so many things with regards to the iPhone and Apple that are just plain idiotic. There's no simple way to sugarcoat it. If Paul Therott says anything about the iPhone or Apple, Look for exactly the opposite to happen. Just saying. This week, we have promo codes for the app. Cinepro. C-I-N-E-P-R-O. One word. Let's play the comments from the dev. My name is John Clem, and I'm the developer of Cinepro. Cinepro is a video camera app for iOS that offers some really unique features, including manual control of ISO, frame rate, aspect ratio, focal length, and over 20 different looks and presets. After six years of working in the film industry, I started learning Objective-C six months ago with the goal of creating an app that would provide the power and control of movie cameras like the Red One or the RE Alexa. CinePro is the first app of its kind to do advanced filters and controls in real time for video recording. This is accomplished by doing all of the image processing on the raw camera data using the GPU. The result is powerful manual control, breathtaking looks and filters, and best of all, no render time. CinePro shot to the number one paid video camera app position in the App Store in its first 24 hours of its release. And to celebrate, we've temporarily reduced the price to 99 cents. You can find us in the App Store or at minddiaper.com slash CinePro. Thanks, John, for the review of your app, CinePro, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, Send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put CinePro in the subject line. I'll be giving away these promo codes within the next week to 10 days. 
As always, if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please also include a 60-second or less audio review of your app indicating in the review you are the dev. Okay, before we get into the big news from today, which is WWDC, some quick comments of other big news since the last episode, and that is that the jailbreak I mentioned that would likely be out the day after episode 226 went up was made available as expected the day after episode 226 went out. So now you can jailbreak iOS 5.1.1 on most devices that run iOS 5.1.1. Only the iPad 2, the new version with the 32 nanometer CPU, is not supported. I put up my tutorial on how to jailbreak over at todayinios.com, which if you have the TI app, you would have received that push. The tutorial, as always, takes you step-by-step step through the jailbreak process and how to use Cydia. With this latest jailbreak, I've heard of less issues with the jailbreak than I can remember for any recent jailbreak. So if you were waiting, holding off, kind of on the fence about jailbreaking, now it is safe to do so as long as you are just a jailbreaker. If you need to or ever plan to or are thinking of unlocking your iPhone, then the absinthe jailbreak I go over in my tutorial is one you must run away, run away from. Do not repeat, do not use the Absinthe Jailbreak from Green Poison, the one I have in my tutorial, if you need to unlock. If that's the case, and you need to unlock, then use the Red Snow Jailbreak, which will allow for unlocking. Unlockers, look for the link in the show notes titled Dev Team Blog Pre-DC over at todayinios.com uh, for episode 227. Uh, look for that one. That gives you some more information on using the Red Snow Jailbreak. Per the new unlock, the Ultra Snow app version 1.2.7 is in Cydia, and it supports the iPhone 4 models running the older 01.59.00 baseband, and the iPhone 3G and 3GS models running baseband versions 04.26.08 and 05.11.07 and 05.12.01 and 05.13.04 or 06.15.00. Wake up, wake up. Okay, anyway, again, all this requires the red snow jailbreak if you want to unlock if you're going to iOS 5.1.1. For everyone else, if you're not unlocking, look at the tutorial I put up. Very simple, very easy jailbreak process. And again, of all the ones I can remember in the last couple of years, outside of jailbreakme.com jailbreaks, this one seems to have had the least feedback of people having issues. And most people that did have issues emailed back later to say it was issues on their end and not issues with the jailbreak. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob, I have been patiently waiting for this jailbreak. I followed your instructions and had everything done one, two, three with no problems. I did two extra steps. I removed my iPhone password and I also removed my SIM card password prior to the jailbreak. I remember that having my SIM card password protected caused a problem with a prior jailbreak. Loving that I'm back in the jailbreak world. Regards, Janet. Hi, Janet. Yes, good advice there. If you have an iPhone password protected and or your SIM is password protected, it is best to remove those passwords before doing the jailbreak. Is it 100% necessary to remove them? No. But is it recommended or highly recommended? Yes. Again, thanks, Janet, for that reminder. 
back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I did the jailbreak from jailbroken 5.0.1 iPad 2 and 4S almost as soon as it came out. First plugged in, did a backup via iTunes, updated firmware using iTunes, left the 4S in and ran Absinthe 2.0.2 on Windows PC. Seemed to hang, got bored, unplugged, replugged, ran Absinthe again. It did some sort of fix up. Plugged the 4S into the Mac and ran Absinthe 2.0.2. Took a while on the old Mac, seemed good. Reinstalled the jailbreak apps. They all found the data from previous jailbreak. Didn't work it out until the next day. None of my music would play, not a sound problem. Uh, did a Google, wiped music from the phone using settings usage. Uh, there is an option to wipe music. Uh, did that iTunes match brought all of it back? All good now. Regards, Surge in Australia. Whew. Surge, thanks for the feedback. They are now up to absence 2.0.4, by the way. Does that mean anyone that jailbroke with an older version needs to re-jailbreak? No, not unless you're having issues. But if you jailbroke with Absence 2.0.2, which I had up there originally in the tutorial, and all is working well for you, then nothing that you need to do. But if you are having any issues, you could restore your iOS device and then try another jailbreak with 2.0.4. Maybe that will solve some of your issues. Again, this time around, I have heard a lot less about issues than I've heard of any other jailbreak since the jailbreakme.com jailbreaks. Of course, it could also mean that less people are jailbreaking this time around. One more email on this. Hi Rob, I ran the Absence 2.0.4 jailbreak on my iPhone 4 and iPad 2 yesterday. The only jailbreak easier was jailbreakme.com. The only problem I encountered, and I'm not sure how or why, but on my iPad when I restored my files and opened up Cydia for the first time, it did the file system message, then rebooted, but when it rebooted, I lost half my icons on the first page of Springboard, one of which was the folder that contained the App Store and Cydia. First, I tried to search for the apps by name, but they weren't there. I tried clearing all my data and restoring with the backup, but no success. When I tried to run Absence again, it told me that the device was already jailbroken. Eventually, I decided to do a full restore and start the process over. This time, after the jailbreak uh, said it was done, I opened Cydia and let it do its file thing. And then, before I restored, I installed SBS settings so I would at least have some extra control if the same thing happened. I restored from the first backup I did and everything came back. Yay! When I used the jailbreak on my iPhone, I opened Cydia and installed a few apps that I knew I used, then restored. This went well with no problems, regards, Karine. So folks, in summary, if you were thinking of jailbreaking or on the fence of jailbreaking, follow the instructions to the letter that I have up in my tutorial, if you don't plan to unlock, and also make sure to remove your passcode from the device for unlocking it and the SIM passcode before you do the jailbreak. Hello Rob, this is Steven from Houston. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the push notification from Tuesday about the new iOS 5.1.1 jailbreak. I'm so happy. Yippee! My iPhone 4 is now up to iOS 5.1.1 and my iPad is the third generation is now jailbroken. I was looking forward to be, being able to do that and it was very easy to do. Just run that app that you said mentioned in your instructions. 
which was very good, by the way. And just click on the ju- hook up my phone to it, power it on, jailbreak, hit the jailbreak button, and presto, in a few minutes, it was done. And didn't even have to put my phone in DFU mode. Oh, that was nice. The second, this jailbreak is second only to the jailbreakme.com one in far as ease of use goes. Okay, well, thank you for the information. I enjoy your show. Have a great day. Bye. Tim Cook spoke at All Things D about a week and a half ago, and in his talk, he let out very little. But as always, what an Apple CEO said and how he said it were analyzed ad nauseum. First, there were his comments about fragmentation. Tim said the following quote, quote, One thing is that we're not fragmented. Look at the percentage of users who upgraded to iOS 5. We have one app store. We have one phone with one screen size, one resolution. So it's pretty simple if you're a developer, unquote. One looking at this could say Tim Cook just nixed any rumors about the iPhone having a bigger screen. Of course, one could point out Steve Jobs once said no one wants a video with their MP3 player. But if we take Tim Cook at his word, then there are a lot of rumors about and videos of people holding components from the next iPhone, quote-unquote, that just became even more questionable. In the interview with Tim Cook, Walt Mossberg asked the following question, quote, Siri is great when it works, but it doesn't work a lot of the time. That's not what a lot of people have come to think about Apple products. What's going on with that? Unquote. To which Tim Cook replied, quote, Customers love it. It's one of the most popular features of the iPhone 4S, but there's more that it can do. And we have a lot of people working on this, and I think you'll be really pleased with some of the things you'll see over the coming months on this. We have some cool ideas about what Siri can do. We have a lot going on on this, unquote. And to that end, we are led into today's WWDC, where Siri actually started off the keynote with the following. Hello. And welcome to WWDC. I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. And today, I was asked to warm up the crowd, which should be easy since the high will be 75 degrees. Thanks for that. So, here we are, in San Fran, the ATM of Silicon Valley. If you developers need investors to finance your app, I found 396 venture capital firms fairly close to you. And hey, speaking of developers, how many developers does it take to change a light bulb? None. That's a hardware problem. I see lots of familiar interfaces in the crowd. Looks like Instagram finally accepted Facebook's friend request. Hey, any of you guys been working with Ice Cream Sandwich or Jelly Bean? Who's making up these code names, Ben and Jerry? But seriously, I am excited about the new Samsung. Not the phone, the refrigerator. Hubba hubba. And speaking of dinner, after the show, if you're looking to paint the town red, I found a number of sushi restaurants whose reviews mention $2 sake bombs fairly close to you. The guys at Yelp know what I'm talking about. Wow, iPad really crushed it. Now I want to say something straight from the CPU. iPad, can you slow it down a bit? I love you guys. 
And it's really hard for me to get emotional, because, as you can tell, my emotions haven't been coded yet. Thanks for being such a wonderful crowd. Have a great WWDC. And remember, you guys rock. And then when Siri was done warming up the crowd, Tim Cook came out. He gave an update on the state of all things Apple and iOS, otherwise known as the marketing part of the presentation. He talked about WWDC selling out in one hour and 43 minutes. Per the App Store, Tim talked about there being over 400 million iTunes accounts on the App Store. This is not just 400 million accounts that have been created. This is 400 million accounts now with credit cards on file. Or as Tim said, the store with the largest number of credit cards on file on the internet. Obviously, if you are a dev, that is a good thing or very good news to you because that means more potential buyers for you in iTunes than anywhere else on the internet. Tim went on to say there are now over 650,000 apps in the App Store and 225,000 of those are made for the iPad versus just a few hundred for the other guys' tablets. That is more about good news for the end users than the developers. There has been over 30 billion apps downloaded to date, and Apple has written checks for over $5 billion. That's $5 billion with a B for the developers. Apps are available in over 120 countries' uh, app stores right now, and that will soon be available in over 150 countries' iTunes app stores around the world. Tim then played a video, or more accurately, he signaled to his AV peeps to play it. The video starts out talking about how the iPhone helped blind people get out and do more. It was really great to see this be the first thing that Apple went over in the video. There are many blind listeners to this show, and it is great hearing from them about how the iPhone has helped improve their quality of life. Apple then went over education and Airbnb and finished up with apps for children with learning disabilities. The video was very heartwarming and shows that the apps and the iOS devices have helped change users' lives, and it showed some of the, devel the developers that helped make that possible. Tim then introduced Phil Schiller. He went over all the changes in the Apple laptops, which just made me really drool on the new MacBook uh, Pro Retina. The one I want runs a cool 3600 bucks. Yeah, I think it's going to be some time before that happens. Oh, well. Then Craig Federici came out to talk about Mac OS X, and let's just say Craig did not pass the degree all-in moment. Someone needs to get that boy a lighter t-shirt or a lighter color shirt and some better underarm deodorant. He talked about uh, Mountain Lion. Next up was Scott Forrestal, and Scott went over iOS. Scott started off talking about iOS 5 adoption versus previous versions, and over 80% of iOS users are running iOS 5 or later. He then compared it to the competition, i.e. Android, which brought about a few laughs just by saying he was going to compare it because, well, Android adoption of the latest version is kind of a joke in the dev world, and they're all aware of how bad it is. Scott said they released their dairy product, as in the Android people released their dairy product, which meant ice cream sandwich, uh, version 4.0. Around the same time, Apple released iOS 5, and today only about 7% of Android users are running the latest version versus over 80% for iOS. Most Android users, over 80%, are still running Android 2.2 or 2.3. Ouch! 
Scott then went on to talk about push notifications, saying that Apple sends out 7 billion pushes a day and over 1.5 trillion pushes to date, which means just one thing. Apps send out way, way, way too many pushes. He then introduced iOS 6 with over 200 new enhancements. But to start with, he talked about Siri. Scott started out talking about the new Siri features with regards to sports, where he asked for the score of the latest Giants game, and it knew he meant the San Francisco Giants, not the New York Giants. Right now, doing that on Siri, if you do it on iOS 5 and ask it um, what's the score of the latest Mets game, it will ask you if you want to do a web search. But with iOS 6, Siri speaks back the score of the game. He even asked Siri about the batting average of one of the players. So this would be nice when doing some research for fantasy sports. Then Scott went over Siri and restaurants via Yelp integration. Let's see. Sports and food. Hmm. Almost sounds like guys are doing the dev work here. Think? Well, any doubt about that was removed when Scott talked about Siri in movies and then asked Siri to find movies that Scarlett Johansson has been in. At that point, I was kind of waiting for the next feature from Siri to be a prostate exam, but it wasn't. Scott then went on to talk about how Siri can now launch apps. This brought about applause from the devs in the audience. So in iOS 6, you'll be able to ask Siri to open TII. You will also be able to send a tweet with Siri, and you'll be able to listen to notifications and make dinner reservations. And he introduced the concept of eyes free. This is where Apple is working with car manufacturers to tap and hold a button on the steering wheel that will bring up Siri on your iPhone. Per languages, they are adding Spanish, Italian, Korean, Mandarin for Taiwan, Cantonese for Hong Kong, and both Mandarin and Cantonese for mainland China. And now in iOS 6, search with Siri will be localized around the world. Or globally, search will be localized Well, wherever you are, it'll be localized search. And Siri will also be brought to the new iPad. Next up was Facebook integration. So just like with Twitter, you can now from settings uh, in the settings app, add in your username and password, and then post directly to Facebook from the photo app, website links from Safari, locations from Maps, and you can now like apps and music and movies from iTunes Store. Hmm. Can you say Ping is now officially dead? And Apple even added both Facebook and Twitter into Notification Center. So now you can pull down Notification Center and quickly post to either. And they are making available APIs to allow other apps to work with Facebook. Next, Tim talked about new features to the phone app. You can now, when busy and you get a phone call, choose from send a message and give a reminder. So rather than answering, you can just swipe up and either choose send a message and get, or give a reminder. With send a message, you can pick from a few stock messages or a custom message that is sent via text or iMessage to the caller. Or for the other option, you can choose to get a reminder later, such as remind me of the call in one hour or when I leave or when I get home or when I get to work. With the option of remind me when I leave, you get a little geofence created around where you're located, and once you leave that area, you are reminded of the phone call. The next feature is one many of you have asked for, and one we have talked about a few times on the show recently. It is called Do Not Disturb. When you set this on, 
text messages, phone calls, push notifications, email messages will no longer make a sound or a vibration or light up the phone. They will be waiting for you in the morning when you turn it off, but they won't disturb you at night. You can also pick and choose who to get phone calls from. So you could create a group on your contact list, say family, and then calls from your kids or significant others would come through, but the rest of the calls would be blocked. And there's even an option called repeated calls. So if someone is blowing up your phone, their call will get through. Actually, how it works is if you get a second call within three minutes of the first one, the second call gets through. Again, that is an option. It's not default. So it's not like you're, you're anyone who calls you twice is going to get through. So you can turn that on. If people start to abusing it, you turn it off. With FaceTime with iOS 6, FaceTime will now work over cellular. Scott did not say 4G, he said cellular, so that should mean it will work over 3G. The next updates had to do with Safari. The big addition was being able to upload photos via Safari to your favorite websites. This is nice for Libsyn users, just using an, an iPad for the podcast. Um, so if the only computer you have is an iPad, one of the issues was if you wanted to update your artwork, um, you, there was no way to really upload it. Now you can update your show's artwork from the iPad, in theory anyway. We'll see how this one implements, but hopefully it's something that uh, we'll be able to support from our website. I mean, hopefully it's something that'll be supported uh, natively without having to do much. Scott also mentioned photo streams, and really it was just about the introduction of shared photo streams, I guess because, you know, there were still some people that were sharing photo streams not using Instagram or I don't know, but I guess for anyone that didn't want to use Instagram to share their photos, now there'll be photo streams that you can share. Up next was mail, with the first new item being VIP, which means in my case, I can put Laurie, my boss, as a VIP, and her emails will also show up in Notification Center. They also added a mailbox for VIP and one for flag messages. When composing an email, they made it easier to insert photos and videos into the email, they also now allow for unlocking Office Docs that are password protected right in the Mail app. That did not get a big response from the audience, but I'm sure there are some IT managers out there that are very happy for that addition. I would not be surprised to hear from some that that was the biggest announcement in their mind. Next was the introduction of a new stock iOS app, and it's called Passbook. And it takes and combines all those passes and tickets you get in other apps into one app. So if you have a boarding pass from one app and movie tickets from Fandango and baseball tickets from your local baseball team's app, you can get all of them collected and organized in the Passbook app. They even have it working with the lock screen to make it even easier to find your passes. It does appear that the app is geo-aware, so they showed it as an example where when you're near Starbucks, it pops up the slider for Starbucks in the lock screen. And then when you slide it, it opens up your Starbucks card, obviously with location services being turned on and active all the time for this, it will drain your battery. So use with caution. I'm sure we'll hear more about that in the coming months. Next was guided access. And what this does is it allows you as a parent to lock out some of the buttons on apps. And most important, it locks the home button. They call this a single app mode, which it's a little strange because you can only use one app at a time anyway. So everything's kind of single app mode, but this is really single app mode. 
Maybe they should call it single app locked in mode. What they did not say was how you get out of single app mode, but I'm sure more on that to come uh, soon, as in real soon. And finally came Maps. As had been rumored, speculated for some time, Google got the old heave-ho. Apple is now using their own maps and info, and even working in anonymous crowdsourced data from other iOS devices to help figure out how traffic is moving. Expect class action lawsuit on this use of data in three, two, one, file. But the real big announcement for Maps is turn-by-turn navigation. This includes updated ETA info based on changing traffic patterns along your route. And if your current route slows down, Apple will look at other routes that might be faster and offer up the alternative routes as an option. And most importantly, it works in the lock screen mode. And well, of course, they added Siri integration, so now I could say, take me to the Royals game, and Siri would pop up turn-by-turn directions to the K. I am sure you will be able to also read off the destination address as well for someone's house, say, if you're trying to get to someone's house, and get directions there as well, turn-by-turn. But one of the biggest items Android people have held over iOS was native turn-by-turn directions. And finally, they're here on an iOS device. Well, finally, as in this fall when iOS 6 is launched. One of the fluff things that was added to Maps is called Flyover, and Apple has had people flying over cities, well, not just people, but people in planes and helicopters with photography equipment. Apple's had these people and equipment flying over major cities and taking 3D imaging of those cities. The beta of iOS 6 is available today. When it ships in the fall, it will support the iPhone 3GS and later, the iPad 2nd and 3rd generation, and just the iPod Touch 4th gen. So yes, the original iPad will not be supported with iOS 6, which to me is kind of a shocker since it is supporting with the iPhone 3GS, and those are basically the same processor, so kind of... Well, actually, when I think about it, the iPhone 3GS had more RAM than the iPad, original iPad. So maybe that's the uh, tipping point there, or at least that's probably what Apple's going to say is the tipping point. But that, folks, is iOS 6 in a nutshell. To me, it was a good update from what they announced, but definitely did not see anything in there that would cause me to run out to my iTunes dev account and get the beta to test it out. I'll probably do it anyway. I'm not going to be putting it on my main phone. Uh, I know in the past some people have actually paid to get the beta early. And I'm going to guess that will not be the case this time. At least it's not something I would recommend you do. I'm probably going to update one of my older iPhones to the beta for iOS 6, but that's more for app testing than anything else. Uh, definitely I'm not going to be updating my main iPhone, my 4GS, to iOS 6. Not anytime soon. I'll let the betas work their way through. Again, I think these were good, but not great updates and additions. Tim Cook then came back on stage to wrap it all up and do a good personal pitch for why it's so great to work for Apple and why it's so great to develop for Apple. And he also came back to the theme that apps the devs create for Apple products can fundamentally change the world. It was a very nice heartwarming pitch by Tim. If you want to see the entire keynote for yourself, you can go to apple.com forward slash apple dash events, and you can see the 2012 WWDC keynote along with other recent special events going back to September of 2010. 
Link, of course, is in the show notes for episode 227 at todayinios.com. Warning, this keynote is long. It was 118 minutes, almost two hours long. So again, if you go to apple.com forward slash apple dash events, you can see the whole thing for yourself. One thing that we did not hear mentioned at all in the keynote was Apple TV. There was a post by BGR that got a lot of press this past week. Uh, and they had a quote-unquote source of theirs that let them know that Apple was going to release an Apple TV SDK at WWDC. Uh, yeah. Nice called BGR. Well, I actually blogged about it beforehand saying I thought the quote source unquote was kind of BS and they were just speculating and calling it a uh, source and that it was really just a safe bet to speculate that was going to happen. I actually thought it was going to happen. But then I thought it would happen last year at WWDC 2011. And now I guess I'm hoping that it happens next year at WWDC 2013. But it was amazing to see all the sites out there that picked up and re-reported the BGR story like it was fact. Remember, folks, when it comes to rumors, BGR is no better than Digitimes. And when you see someone reporting on BGR story like it's fact, and you see that source back to BGR as a source and they didn't say that it's highly speculative and kind of BS, well, just remember who those sites were that re-reported the BGR story as being something of fact. Into the email bag we go. Hey Rob, I bought my third URL today from Hover. I was able to easily set up forwarding and make other setting changes without getting my IT department to handle it. As insignificant as it may be, it's actually empowering to not have to rely on anyone. Also set up a Gmail account with a new URL. I did have a question in the process and was really surprised when an actual Hover employee answered the phone without an automated menu system or outsourced call center. So two thumbs up for Hover. I plan on transferring all my other domains to Hover. Thanks for putting them on my radar. Regards, John P. Hi, John. Thanks for the email feedback about Hover and that leads us kind of into this part of the show where we talk about today's sponsor, who is once again Hover. If you go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, you can get 10% off your domain name registrations and transfers. And actually today I'm going to talk about email. Hover offers up custom emails, which if you are trying to look professional, you at your own domain.com looks more impressive than your name, 85 at gmail.com. And you can now get 25% off your first year's registration of email with Hover by using the promo code TIIMAIL. One word, T-I-I-M-A-I-L. TIIMAIL to save 25% off your email with Hover. They have a great tutorial on how to set up your custom email for your iOS device, as well as many other tutorials on setting up email for other platforms and software. Hover's email offering is everything you would expect it to be and everything you're looking for. Pop and IMAP, webmail, two gig of storage, email forwarding, and as John mentioned a minute ago, great customer support. Yes, with Hover, you get customer support that's second to none. And if you already have your domain with Hover, with the 25% discount, it's just $15 for your email for a year. And you can do the entire registration and set up from your iPad. So if you are one of those that now use your iPad as your main computer, all can be set up from said iPad. Now is a great time to get your custom email address again. 
Nothing says professional like your own custom email address. Again, you can get 25% off that email by using the promo code TIIMAIL. Just go to TII.hover.com. Thanks, Hover, for sponsoring this show. This next one seems like a strange story. On eBay, there was a device claiming to be an iPad prototype with two dock connectors, one for landscape and one for portrait mode. In most cases in the past, with an Apple prototype, Apple's legal quickly gets on said device, like a duck on a Cheeto, and they pull it. But this time, it went the distance and sold for a little over 10000 So for all those times I have wished for dual dock connectors on my iPad, it looks like that was something Apple experimented with prior to the launch of the original iPad and decided against. And that means in the future, it is very unlikely we'll see this feature added back. And the seller was contacted by Gizmodo, and he stated the reason he put up the device for sale over Memorial Day weekend was in the hope that Apple lawyers would be out at the lake or at the beach and miss the sale, which seems to have worked out exactly as he planned. Kudos. Now, the part that was a little less than ethical, the seller says the item was probably not legally acquired. Hmm. What is another word for that? Oh yeah, stolen. So this guy was basically acting like a fence for a stolen Apple prototype. Nice. No word on who the buyer was, but sounds like the $10,000 was transferred and the stolen prototype was already shipped off by the time Apple lawyers made it back from their weekend in the Hamptons or wherever it was that Apple lawyers go for three-day weekends. I think one thing we learned about this story is that come Labor Day weekend, there's going to be an Apple lawyer that's not getting the weekend off. Hey Rob, this is Jim from Orlando. I just wanted to give an app review this week. There's an app that I've grown to really enjoy over the last few weeks. It's called Voxer. V like Victor, O-X-E-R. This is a free app in the App Store, and in my opinion, this app is incredible. It combines the use of instant messaging, text messaging, and walkie-talkie all in one app. If you love texting, but you hate typing out the texts or using Siri and having to go back and correct all the mistakes, then this is the app for you. What it does is you can initiate either a two-way conversation or even a group conversation. And if I was going to send you a message, I hold down the button, it records my voice, and then it sends it to you instantly in a instant messenger style format. And then you get it and then you can play it right away, and then you can reply back and send the message back to me. This app is a lot of fun, it's a lot more efficient than texting, and it doesn't use any text messages, it uses your data. So, hope you enjoy it. It's Voxer, V-O-X-E-R, in the App Store. Thanks. Jim, thanks for the review. Folks, remember, if you have a favorite app you'd like to send in and a review of, just email to us at todayinios at gmail.com. Or you can call it in to 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Hey, Rob. This is Avir calling from Miramar, Florida. I'm calling about the question on the last episode uh, about the YouTube app. Uh, the gentleman wanted to lower the quality uh, because it takes too long to buffer. I have a solution for him. Um, as far as the, the volume, or signal volume, I don't, I don't know uh, how to fix that, but the, the quality, uh, basically you have to go um, and disable the YouTube app. Um, you're going to go to general restrictions, turn on restrictions, put a passcode, and turn off the YouTube app. And then you're going to go to your to Safari and you go to m.youtube.com and log in there. And that's basically a web app, but it's actually a little better. It has more functionality than the regular YouTube app. Um, and what you do is you 
um, the middle button, you basically create a shortcut to the, you know, to the, um, to the link on your home screen. Um, and then you just use that, um, button, uh, or that icon whenever you want to go to YouTube and it just opens up the website. Um, but basically, um, on the website, there's, a every time you're watching any video, there's a little button on the left that says HQ and it lights up red when it's high quality and you can turn it off to watch it low quality. And this is great. I use it actually reverse, uh, on the opposite than him. Um, I actually want to see when I'm on 3g, I want to see high quality videos. And unfortunately Apple, you know, uh, with their dictatorship, <laughs> uh, forces the app to, to go to low quality for some reason. I have unlimited data. I should be able to do whatever I want. But anyways, they forced me to watch the low quality. And since I want to watch the high quality, even though it takes longer so the only way to do that when you're in 3g is um is with the uh with the with the web app because unfortunately you cannot watch high quality stuff when you're on 3g only when you're on wi-fi into the email bag we go hi rob regarding streaming youtube videos at a lower resolution there is a jailbreak solution i use a youtube downloader called mx tube which is free which lets you download at any res you want it also lets you download multiple videos at the same time, which is great. Regards, Polos from India. And the next email. Hi, Rob. Here are some answers for listeners from episode 226. Per the question about how to make a hotspot without internet for Apple TV and iPhone AirPlay, I think this should work. You can always buy inexpensive wireless routers, 30 bucks. It does not have to be connected to the internet to get local Wi-Fi. Then enable Wi-Fi, connect all devices to it, and you should be good to go. Hope that helps. Regards, Paul S. Thanks to Javier, Paulos, and Paul S. for their feedback and tips. Back into the email bag. Hey, Rob. I have a Kickstarter review. I purchased and received my recoil winders, which for people who don't know, these winders are for cleaning up the wire clutter, headphones, charging cables, USB cables, whatnot. They come in three sizes and also come with a stand. So far, I'm very pleased with the product. My only gripe would be that when you take your cables off, it takes a little bit more force to lock the winder open than I would have expected. But for the price, it's a great value. They can be purchased at recoilwinders.com. They are offering 15% off for backers and their family and friends for a limited time. Just type Kickstarter15 in the coupon code box. Regards, Matt in Ohio. Well, Matt, thanks for the review of Recoil Winders and for the promo code. Next email goes, Hey Rob, I heard on the last two shows you asking for anyone that has supported a Kickstarter project. I have funded several projects. One has been delivered. It is Cloud FTP. This little black or white box is great. I received one of the first ones produced and I'm very happy with it. It makes any USB external drive or USB thumb drive a Wi-Fi drive accessible from any iOS device. Couple it with a media player app like Good Player and you have a portable media library. It is rechargeable and very easy to set up in ad hoc mode or connecting itself to an existing wireless network. Regards, Brad from London, Ontario. Well, Brad, and Matt, again, thank you for your feedback. Hey, Rob, this is Eric from AppChasers.com, a frequent listener, and uh, called in a couple other times, but just wanted to call in this time with a little experience from Kickstarter. I ordered the Orbit Swiveling Smartphone Suction Mount. Actually, the Kickstarter was funded on October 5th, 2011. Haven't seen a product since. So actually the uh, manufacturers or the guys behind the Kickstarter uh, project have been sending out an email pretty much once a month 
just kind of show on their progress, but they just be, they've just been hitting a, a number of delays. You know, they've been apologizing, but really haven't seen anything. So that's been my experience with Kickstarter. And problem is, you know, if that swiveling uh, suction mount for the iPhone with the glass back, as it currently is designed with the 4S, if that doesn't come by the next iPhone release, then it's going to have a different design and that mount won't work by the time it uh, gets in customers' hands. So anyways, I'm not sure what Kickstarter has in place for, uh, you know, protecting against uh, dead-on-arrival uh, <laughs> product, but they just didn't think it would take this long. Okay, thanks a lot for everything you do, and that's been my experience. Hopefully we'll get that product soon from Kickstarter. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. And that leads us into the part of the show where we talk about some Kickstarter projects that are going on right now. Thanks to all those that sent in emails about the Kickstarter project TWIG, T-W-I-G, which as of Monday, June 11th, had over 3,300 backers and over $114,000, more than double their goal of $50,000. And they have 45 days to go. So if you want a TWIG, you'll get a TWIG if you pledge for it. So what is TWIG? Well, as they proudly say, it's just four inches long and easy for your iPhone to mount, and it comes in eight colors. It is essentially a semi-rigid dock connector and USB connector that you use to connect to your iPhone to a computer and or Apple charger. Well, I guess it's a computer or Apple charger. You can't connect to them at the same time. Or you can even use it as a tripod when not connected to your computer or charging it. And they even say you can use it to wrap your earbud cords around. For $18, you can get the black one now, or at least until the, another 1,000 people or so sign up for it. Or for $20, you can get to choose from one of the other seven colors. Again, thanks to all that sent in links for this one. For this next one, I want to thank Thomas for the heads up. And it is for the Kickstarter project, which has passed its goal of 25 k and has 21 days to go. So also, if you want this one, you're going to get it. And this uh, case, it's called the Trigger. And it's a camera case for the iPhone, which Trigger is spelled T-R-Y-G-G-E-R. That's T-R-Y-G-G-E-R. And what is it, you ask? Again, it's a camera case with a polarizing filter for your camera. It costs $40, which would be $10 less than the retail price. With the polarizing filter, you can physically adjust the light coming into the lens, offering a better picture experience in bright light. If you are looking for better quality pictures with your iPhone, take a look at this project. Of course, it is just for the iPhone 4 and 4S, and that again is spelled T-R-Y-G-G-E-R, link in the show notes, of course, at todayinios.com for episode 227. Some sad news to report if you're a Cisco fanboy. Cisco fanboy. Wait, is that even a legit phrase? Well, if you were on one of John Chambers' Tiger teams, I guess it maybe is. Anyway, Cisco fanboys received some sad news a couple weeks ago when Cisco killed the CS. Okay, technically the iPad delivered the fatal blow. Cisco just pulled the plug on its life support. I mentioned on the last episode about GTAR, the Kickstarter project, and joked that they would have one in the future for a ukulele. And if you have a good memory like Ravi, you will remember on episode 215, I mentioned the app called Footalele. 
and that when combined with a special case allowed you to use an iPad and an iPhone to create a virtual ukulele with the iPhone being the cords for the neck and the iPad being the body of the ukulele for strumming. Well, as it works out on May 25th, Futalele hit the App Store at $4.99, so take a look at that. A quick heads up for those of you with an Apple TV second or third generation, specifically for those of you down under in Australia, Apple released 5.0.2 of the Apple TV firmware or software, which is an update that mainly appears to address, quote, an issue which caused content restrictions to be incorrectly applied for iTunes Store in Australia, unquote. So what does that mean? Well, it means that there is some content currently being shown for version 5.0.1 in iTunes Store for those in Australia that once you update the software will no longer be shown. So yes, it appears the update basically reduces what you get content-wise that you can access with Apple TV in Australia. I would not even qualify this as a minor update as much as it is a CYA for Apple update. Hey, Rob, uh, this is uh, Greg from Oregon. Appreciate your show very much. Um, I just had the most un-Apple-like experience. I'm, I'm sure some of your more Maclific listeners have, have had this happen before, but um, I was on iTunes store and looking around for some books and found one that looked like something I had actually started on um, uh, an, an iBooks author program that I've started, so I wanted to take a look at it. Downloaded it to my iMac and uh, couldn't couldn't read it. And the message said uh, it can only be viewed in a iPad or a iPhone. So I called up Apple and uh, talked to the nice fellow at the other end of the phone, and he said, "No, that's that's right." He said, "I've talked to several people about that." And to me, it blows my mind that I can create an iBook on my iMac, uh, but I can't read them. Uh, I can download them, but I can't read them. Uh, That I paid twice as much uh, as somebody buying an iPad, uh, but there's a a functionality in iPad uh, that doesn't exist in iMac. Uh, What has happened to Apple? Anyway, thanks for your guidance uh, all these weeks. I've been listening for just a year, but uh, won't go a week without uh, listening to you. So thanks so much. Well, Greg, sorry that uh, the last TII was 17 days ago or roughly thereabouts. Uh, We'll get back on the weekly schedule. Actually, I'll have another episode out the end of this week. Uh, Just blog world last week kind of delayed me a little bit. Now, per your comments here and the iBooks author... That's what Apple said from day one on this, is that it was only going to be available for iOS devices and iBooks. matter of fact, the book I did, Podcast 101, I did it with the iBooks author. And if you do it as an iBooks author textbook, it's only available on the iPad, period, not even on on an iPhone. So my book, Podcast 101, that teaches you how to podcast, uh, that book is only available for those with iPads. And I know someone put a one-star review up on iTunes because they didn't have an iPad. I'm like, really, dude, really? You put a one-star up there? It's kind of, you know, that was stated from day one that iBooks author for the iBooks textbooks, 
when you do that, it's just on the iPad. As a matter of fact, if you want to review it and see it, you really need to have an iPad connected to your laptop when you're doing that. So while it may seem a little un-Apple-ish, it, it really is actually more Apple-ish than anything else because Apple wants that user experience to be a certain way. Apple wants you to experience that iBook on an iPad. That's the device they meant it for. It's not meant for your laptop. It's meant as a touch interface, a multimedia interface. It's a consumption medium that they're looking for. And again, with iBooks Author, when you create that iBooks, uh, it's not going to be for computers. It's just for iPads. By the way, when I was at Blog World, I got to see a preview of an iBook that's coming out from Tim Street. And I did an interview with him, and we're going to have that up on an episode that's going to come out around July 4th when his book launches. One of the incredible, great use of iBooks author. And again, his book is only going to be available for you to consume on an iPad. And I'll tell you, Tim did a phenomenal job. Again, we'll get into that interview. We'll play that interview right when that book launches, which is around July 4th. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I have the TI app, and how do I download an episode for later listening when I'm offline? Can't seem to figure that out. Regards, Bob. Well, hi, Bob. First thing, thanks for supporting the show by getting the TI app. To download episodes into the TI app, first go into the episode list, and then tap on the star for the episode you want to download. It will then start building a circle around the star. When the circle is complete, I am now the master. I mean, oops. Wrong movie. Uh, when the circle is complete, the download is done. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Below is a picture of my new iPad in Washington, D.C. metro area running the speed test app. I was getting 24 megabits per second down and 17.7 megabits per second on the upload. I live close to Philly and can't wait until LTE comes to my area. Regards, Walt D. Well, thanks, Walt, for the speed test data. And folks, if you have an iPad third generation cellular LTE version, let me know how it does on a speed test for you and where you're doing said tests. Back to the emails. Hi, Rob. Is there a better version of voice control, which is like Siri, but for the iPhone 3GS without jailbreaking it? Regards, John Pitry. Hi, John. I'll throw this out to the audience. I have not tried to use uh, a Siri-like app for the iPhone 3GS. I'm going to guess that there isn't one unless you jailbreak. So if someone's out there has a suggestion for something similar to Siri on the iPhone 3GS with or without jailbreaking, well, now that you brought the question up, we might as well look at it from both ways. But I'm going to guess that you have to be jailbroken to get an app that's going to work similar to Siri on the iPhone 3GS. So if anyone can help John out, please send a response back to todayinios at gmail.com or give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. For all the new jailbreakers with an iPad, I put up a link to an article in the show notes for episode 227 to a post titled, Best New iPad Jailbreak Apps and Tweaks in Cydia. While it is debatable if they are the best, they are definitely worth looking at nonetheless. The list includes apps and tweaks such as Quasar, Swipe Selection, SBS Settings, of course, Dashboard X, IntelliScreen X, Activator, and more. Again, look for the link over at todayinios.com for episode 227 titled Best New iPad Jailbreak Apps and Tweaks. Lots and lots of posts about Apple and a patent for a stylus. Here is something to remember about Apple patents. If you hear about an Apple patent and the product is not already out, it likely never will be. Apple, like many companies, patents things 
all kinds of things, not knowing if they will use them or not, but more because that is just what they do. So any speculation that the next iPad will come with a stylus because of a patent is well ignoring the past history. So no, I do not think there will be a stylus with the next iPad, nor the one after that, or the one after that, and so on. I normally try to stay away from talking about the legal fights out there involving Apple. There are just too many, and all are pretty much boring and never affect the end user. Which is likely what was going to be the case with the U.S. government v. Apple over ebooks, where the government claimed that Apple did some backroom deals and violated antitrust laws. But you have to just love Apple's response to the U.S. government, which basically said, not only is your complaint BS, it's kind of total BS and sides with those that are, were a monopoly. In this case, they mean Amazon. Apple refused to settle with the U.S. government, and based on how they eviscerate the government's claims, it is likely they never will, and will ride this one out at least until the U.S. government drops the case. I should also point out one other interesting item in Apple's response. See, the U.S. government is claiming that major book publishers and Apple got together and colluded to change the pricing model. What Apple says is this, maybe the book publishers got together, maybe they did not. We don't know. But one thing we do know is we did not have anything to do with that. And what the book publishers may or may not have done per your complaint, we don't know. So yeah, Apple kind of threw the book publishers under the collusion bus. That is if there was a collusion bus to be thrown under. But either way, Apple said to the U.S. government, basically, bugger off. Hello, Rob. This is Steve from the Chicagoland area. I have two reviews for you today. The first one is an iPad review uh, for an app that is in the Cydia uh, App Store. It's jailbroken, of course, and it's called Quasar. What Quasar allows you to do, Rob, is on the uh, home screen of the iPad, you can now open up a bunch of applications, and they will appear on the home screen sort of like a desktop on a laptop and it's kind of cool because now you have the ability to open up odd different applications and then you can move them around on your home screen and they're there for you anytime you want to access them. Uh, when you open up your applications they appear as a small screen within that screen there is a rotation button to rotate it if you want to you can also enlarge it as a full screen so you can see the app in its full um, view, or you can close it if you're done with it. Uh, also, you can switch this feature on and off uh, on the iPad if you decide not to use it from time to time. But it allows us, Rob, now on the iPad to not use the dock as much. When you open up an app and then you want to go back to the app to see it again, you have to, you know, hit the home button and pop the uh, dock up again and you know, go through that whole procedure, but this is a lot easier. You have everything right there in front of you in terms of what you have open on your iPad, and you can access them back and forth. So it's called Quasar. It's $9.99, a little pricey, but I think it's well worth it um, if you open up a lot of apps on your iPad like I do and use more than one app at a time. Uh, the other um, product is an iPhone product, uh, and it is also a Cydia app which means it's jailbroken, it's called Reveal. And what Reveal allows you to do, Rob, is to look at any notification you may have in its full entirety. 
You can scroll up and down. Uh, if you have a banner type of notification, you can scroll across. So be it be an email or another application, you'll be able to see the full notification. It's $1.99 in the city of store. And again, it's a jailbroken app and it's called Reveal. And so those are the two reviews I have for you this week. Rob, enjoy the show as always. Can't wait to hear what's new and exciting in the iOS world. Take care. Steve, as always, thanks for your feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Do you know about any jailbreak apps that let you rotate your screen upside down? There are many apps that I like to use while listening to the podcasts or music, and the cable sometimes gets in the way. I find that if I can rotate the phone upside down, I have more slack on the cable and get it out of the way. Thanks for your help, Louie. Hi, Louie. For that request, I'm going to throw it out to the audience. Folks, if you know of a jailbreak app that allows you to rotate an app 180 degrees on the iPhone, please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or send an email or record something and send it in via email to todayinios at gmail.com. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Hope you're well. I wanted to give you a heads up on a recent blog post from Hulu's tech blog highlighting our new voiceover feature for iOS. When a visually impaired Hulu Plus user requested easier access to Hulu Plus content on his iPad, our customer support team routed the request to our tech team who built our new voiceover features. Let me know if you have any questions. Hope you enjoy. Regards, Jen L. at Hulu. And Jen sent along a link to a video post going over their edition of voiceover controls for the Hulu app. Look for the link titled Hulu Walkthrough, Hulu Customer Service Support. And you can find that in episode 227 over today on iOS.com. And it's really nice to see a big media company like Hulu addressing accessibility issues just like Apple did today in their keynote. Um, and also appreciate Hulu for personally reaching out to the show. For those of you that are sight impaired, you know that I have tried to make this app or, and our devs make our app uh, accessible to those that are sight impaired. And we are now actually looking for some beta testers. So if you are sight impaired and would like to be a beta tester, this will give you a chance to give us feedback before apps get out in the wild. And you can give us our feedback on how well we're doing on the accessibility side. Send an email to todayinios at gmail.com, so todayinios at gmail.com, and put in there that you're a sight-impaired user that would like to be a beta tester, and we'll set you up, and you'll get uh, the TII app and a macOS Ken app and a couple of other apps, Grammar Girl app and a few others you'll have access to before they're out in the wild so that you can test and give us feedback and make sure you keep us on our toes. So again... Any sight-impaired uh, listeners out there that would like to be a beta tester for us, please help us out. There is no compensation other than you get to give us feedback and early access and free access to some of the apps out there. In any other two-week period, this next story probably would have been the lead story. And since the last episode, for those that did not hear, both Cricket Wireless and Virgin Wireless announced they would be offering up the iPhone. What is interesting here is that both are prepaid carriers in the U.S., which means no long-term agreements. It also means with Cricket, a greatly reduced subsidy, as in greatly reduced subsidy how much they're going to pay, so or a increased price for the iPhone 4S. And with Virgin, it means no subsidy, so an even higher price. That means the 16-gigabyte iPhone 4S on Cricket would sell for $499 up front out of your pocket, 
and on Virgin, it would sell for $649. The monthly plans are lower for Virgin than Cricket, with plans starting at $30 a month. The $30 a month plan on Virgin includes 300 minutes of talk, unlimited messaging, and data plan that allows up to 2.5 gigs of usage before it begins throttling speeds. Over two years, that means you would spend roughly $1,369 on the iPhone and the plan. So that's this, that includes that $649 up front. So a total of $1,369 for the iPhone 4S on the lowest plan. If you compare that to Sprint, that offers unlimited everything for $70 a month and a $199 phone, you'd pay $1,879 in two years. Again, you would get unlimited talk versus just the 30, uh, 300 minutes you get with that $30 plan from Virgin. If you went with the $50 plan with Virgin, it would also be unlimited talk, and it would cost you $1,849 over two years, so a $30 savings. But with Virgin's offering, you could get a new iPhone each year and sell the previous phone to make up some of the initial sales price. So for those of you that need to get a new iPhone when it's first available, and by need I mean highly, highly want to, uh, this might be the way to go. But then again, there is no promise. Come October, Virgin will get the iPhone 2012 or whatever it's called. So you might have to wait a little bit. Either way, for those that need the latest iPhone, you already have it anyway. So just something to think about come October. So I'm assuming if you're someone that must have the latest, greatest iPhone, you already have it. Per Cricket's offering... They charge $55 a month. That includes unlimited talk and text and up to 2.3 gigabytes per month. After that, they throttle it like Virgin does at the 2.5 gig mark. At $55 a month and $499 upfront price for the 4S 16 gig version, you would spend $1,819 in two years. That's $30 less than Virgin's unlimited, but $450 more than two years uh, with Virgin at their lowest offering. Confused? Yeah, me too. So in short, if you want the cheapest offering for an iPhone 4S for a two-year period, go with Virgin, but note you only get 300 minutes of talk a month. If you want the cheapest all-you-can-eat option, Cricket's plan will be the cheapest and you will save $150 out of the gate on the iPhone 4S versus what you'd have to pay Virgin to get that iPhone 4S. When Apple introduced the third-gen iPad, they did what many speculated they might, and that was to keep the second-gen iPad around for sale, but at a lower price point. And how did that work out for Apple? Well, according to Consumer Intelligent Research Partners, it worked out pretty well. They estimated that from the launch of the third-gen iPad in mid-March until sometime in late April, of all the iPads out there purchased, 41% were of the new lower price second gen variety, which seems like a really high percentage of the iPad sold. So when we hear of the Kindle Fire sales being extinguished, it just might be the cold water of the second gen iPad at the new lower $399 price point that is most responsible for putting out the Kindle Fire sales. This also matches up well with Apple's last quarterly report, where they said they were pleasantly surprised by the sales volume of the lower-priced iPad 2. Per rumors of the 7-inch iPad, again, it is reports like this that tell me most people don't want a small iPad. They want a cheaper one. 
So I, for one, will be very surprised to see anything other than the 9.7-inch size for the iPad platform for 2012 or 2013. It'll be at least sometime in 2014 or 2015 before we see a smaller iPad. At least that's what my thought process is right now. Thanks to Elsie from Elsie's Yoga Cooler Podcast for the heads up on this next one, which is for all app devs and podcasters out there. And it is a product called CommentCast. It is a product that lets you collect comments from all the different iTunes stores globally. And per those reviews, in a language you do not know, they claim to, quote, easily translate foreign reviews to the language of your choice, unquote. This is a program just for Macs, and it costs $5 via PayPal. The program, again, is called CommentCast, and you can find it at M-A-R-T-I dot C-A. That's M-A-R-T-I dot C-A. Or look for the link called CommentCast in the show notes for episode 227 over at todayinios.com. Hi, Rob. My name is Robert from San Diego. First-time caller, long-time listener to the podcast. You have a great show, and I just wanted to call in today to give a tip to you and your listeners, um, I was basically, I'm on the current version of the iPhone 4S 5.1.1, and I don't remember hearing this on the podcast. You can now, like, once you go into the phone uh, function of your phone, you can go in there, type in a number, like whatever six-digit number you can, and you can hold up at the top of the keypad where you're dialing and copy or paste the number in there. I thought it was just kind of neat and uh, different. Love the show. Keep keep go- doing what you're doing. It's a great show. Thanks, Rob. Hi, Rob. This is Robert from Silver Spring, Maryland. Just wanted to let everybody know I did the new jailbreak 5.1.1 on both my third-gen iPad and my iPhone. And I have an AT&T iPad third-gen, and I put on Tether Me, and it works just fine. It can tether pretty much freely. The AT&T doesn't let you, but with the Tether Me, with the new jailbreak on the third gen iPad, it worked just fine. All right. Thanks, Rob. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Bye. Gentlemen, thanks for the feedback. There is rumors of a Facebook phone, and most people are poo-pooing those rumors. And, well, I was one of those that thought it made no sense initially, given the history of WebOS, the lackluster results of Windows Phone so far, and the downward spiral of RIM. What chance would a Facebook phone have against the likes of the iPhone and Android? But what if Facebook took a page out of Amazon's book and took the Android OS and then forked it for their own use? That would make it a Aino, Android in name only phone. But the main UI users would see would be of Facebook's design. They would also control the App Store. To me, that is what Facebook would likely do if they introduce a Facebook phone, and I think that might actually work out for them. One thing is clear. Facebook needs a much better mobile strategy, one of the reasons their stock is down 35% from its opening day peak. Now, this might all seem like crazy talk given today's announcements at WWDC with regards to Facebook integration in iOS and maybe Facebook's hiring of ex-Apple engineers from the iPhone team was a way for Facebook to get better leverage in the deal with Apple for said integration in terms thereof. But really, the integration, while nice for the end user, I don't see it helping drive Facebook revenue all that much. If anything, it reduces it. If you can use Siri now to do Facebook updates, 
there is zero chance when you're doing those Facebook updates with Siri of you seeing any ads on Facebook. And speaking of Facebook, for all those heavily into Facebook, there is an app, the Facebook Pages Manager app, which, well, lets you manage your Facebook pages. This is an official app from Facebook and looks and feels like the main Facebook app, but gives you more features and control with regards to updating and managing your pages. There's a nice article over at allfacebook.com that goes over the app. Look for how to use the Facebook Pages Manager app in the show notes for episode 227 over today on iOS.com. In Tim Cook's speech at D two weeks ago, he said Apple was doubling down on security, i.e. no more leaks. At the same time, there were lots of photos and videos showing up on the interwebs showing the cases of what is supposed to be the next iPhone. These photos show the backs and side of as you know, one single piece of metal with no more glass back. But the interesting thing is it also showed a smaller dock connector, no more 30-pin dock connector. In one of the videos, a person shows the supposed iPhone 2012 SIM card tray that was leaked some time ago, or supposedly leaked some time ago, fitting nicely into the supposed iPhone 2012 casework. So if they are fakes, it seems the fakes are coming from the same source. The case also shows an elongated screen, but with the same width. There, here are my thoughts on this, on this latest round of reported iPhone 2012 images. If the smaller dock connector is true, I will hold off a year before upgrading. I have way, way, way too many docks and cables for the current iPhone dock connector, 30-pin connector. I mean, I go back nine years of iPhones and iPads that use that 30-pin dock connector. And I am not going to break my contract with AT&T to upgrade early, no matter what new features are offered, just to have them then have to go out and buy all new dock connectors and cables and other thing accessories to plug into. I, yeah, I, no. I'm totally locked into the 30-pin dock connector at this time. Plus, LTE, which is likely the next big feature add, has very little appeal to me. 3G is just fine especially considering most of my use is when I am near Wi-Fi anyway from home. So pictures, videos, schematics of reported iPhone 2012 have done nothing at this time to get me excited about the iPhone 2012. And if anything, have left me hoping, praying that Apple really did double down on security and that these are all fakes or plants by Apple uh, that you know were intentionally released to throw everyone off the trail of the real iPhone 2012 guess we'll know more come October. But here's my question to you. If the iPhone 2012 does come out with a different dock connector than is currently used, and the main new feature is LTE, will you upgrade early, or will you ride it out till the iPhone 2013 before upgrading after your two-year agreement's up? So again, does LTE offer you a big enough hook that it makes you want to upgrade early, pay a fee or termination fee uh, to break your contract and upgrade early and to ha make you also want to go out and have to get all new accessories for the new dock connector. Let me know what your thoughts are on this. Thanks to all that sent in links on this last one and it is very sad news. The music in the How Wrong Were They segment the music that's playing in the background right now was from Edward Hill. 
and he is a Russian musician that performed that song in the 1970s, replacing the censored lyrics with what sounds like Trollolo, hence him being known as Mr. Trollolo. Well, the sad news is he passed away earlier this month, and while Edward is gone, his music will live on forever. And on this show, unless or until I run out of how wrong were they, quotes. I also want to say hi to all those that came by and said hi at Blog World. It was a great show, and I am looking forward to the next one in Las Vegas, which will be now known as the New Media Expo, which is the name of the old podcast expo in the last year that it was the podcast expo. Uh, again, great always seeing uh, all you listeners out there at events. And hopefully some of you will be able to make it back to the New Media Expo now in January in Las Vegas. I want to thank our sponsor again for today, and that is Hover. Go to tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to save 10% on your domain name registrations. Thanks, Hover, for sponsoring the show. Thanks to all that have already purchased the TII app. As you know, if you have the TI app, you can get push notifications whenever there's a new episode released or whenever there's breaking news. So like during WWDC, I sent out a few different pushes with some highlights of what was going on. It's just $2.99 in the App Store. In addition to push notifications, you also get the ability to download episodes directly into the app to play in offline mode. And there's a link list in the extras for each episode that will take you to different items that we talked about in the show, usually in the order that we talked about them. As always, if you have any tips, tricks, apps, reviews, comments, questions, you name it, that you'd like to get in on the show, please give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or record it on your iOS device and email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Until the next time, I'm your host Rob from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. ことが足りない方だし変なとこ頑固だから多分春には寂しい思いをさせたり
今日は2人の10年目の結婚記念日ですね10年間本当にいろんなことがあったと思います俺は少し言葉が足りない方だし変なとこがあから